0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Hi, this is Steve. We spend a lot of time on the Cinephiles talking about the big important movies, Oscar winners and fan favorites, blockbusters, and directorial masterpieces. But we love smaller films too, and sometimes the joy of an unexpected discovery can be even better than revisiting a well-loved classic. I bought the Black Stallion Criterion Collection because it was on sale, and I remembered liking it as a kid. But when I sat down to watch it with my family, I was absolutely blown away. Halfway through the film, I texted John to tell him I thought we should do it on the Cinephiles. This beautiful, poetic film is so unexpected, so moving, so joyful. The story, told largely without dialogue, is filmed with incredible care and attention to detail. Most kid films today are fast paced comedies, but The Black Stallion is something very, very different. A boy, a horse, an island, in one of the greatest races ever run. We hope you'll love it as much as we did. That's The Black Stallion this Friday on The Cinephiles. welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California.
1: Hey, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, host of shows, and occasionally an actor here in Los Angeles,
0: California. And today, uh, we're looking at a film that I, I never had thought about doing for The Cinephiles. Yeah. And the only reason that we're doing it, I think, is that you know Criterion Collection what has their is it an annual sale?
1: Yeah. Every every 6
0: months. Every 6 do months they have 50 a great percent sale. Off sale yeah. 50% off and I was scrolling through it the last time it came up mm-hmm. and I see this film and I went, "Oh, that'll be a nice. I remember liking that as a kid. Right. That'll be a nice movie to show and watch with the family." Yeah. And so I bought Black Stallion on yeah. their Criterion Blu-ray mm-hmm. and about 3 weeks ago I sat down to watch it with my family. Remembering that I liked it as a kid, I had very little memory other than that. And a few minutes in, I went, "Oh wow!" And I think I texted you in the middle of watching it and said, "Maybe this is a movie we have to do on the cinephiles."
1: Yeah, and I was like, I remember that this film was something that was had great approval from the critics. I remember it was something I saw when I was a young child, and I remember getting it confused like National Velvet, and there were other like these other horse movies that had come out around. You know, over the last few decades before Black Stallion, you know, and so I had to take—I had to take a moment to kind of remember what the film was about, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, on the beach, the kid with his uh, uh, arms up," and so this might be fun. We haven't done a lot of like necessarily kids centric movies so i thought this could be fun for us to explore so when you suggested i was like sure let's do it yeah i mean i remember i I think i saw
0: it in the theater i'm not 100 percent. i'm sure i did and then it was one of those movies that was on showtime or something like that that i watched a bunch Mm -hmm. probably from the ages of like 9 to 11 or 12 yeah yeah probably never saw it again yeah you know so there was a time that i knew it really well yeah, so that's kind of how I came to the film. How, yeah. how about you? Do you remember? I think
1: I I think I remember seeing it in the theaters. You know, I think it was one of those ones that I saw the trailer for, and I remember distinctly because Mickey Rooney left a very strong impression on sure. me as a child, because I had not seen Mickey Rooney movies. Like, I had not seen his, you know, the ones he did with Judy Garland, right. the Andy Hardy movies. I hadn't seen Breakfast at Tiffany's at this point, which I really, the less we talk about his performance in that film, the better. Yeah. And I, had, I hadn't really seen him in much. I think I'd seen him in variety shows, but then right. when there was something about his performance in the film and the horse and the kid, like all of it just kind of spoke to me at the right time. And I remember my parents taking me to see it. And then subsequently, as you said, Steve, it would show on the pay channels and I would watch it as a kid growing up and enjoy it. But I haven't watched it in decades, man. So it was nice to revisit it again.
0: And I I think it's worth revisiting. If you haven't seen it, if you have kids, I think this is an interesting one to check out. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's funny too. Uh, This is a genre of film that we don't see that much anymore, which Mm -hmm. is the family film, the animal film, but not a comedy. Right, right. Most kids' movies today are comedies, and they have a lot of gags, and they're really catered to kids in the way that this movie isn't.
1: No, this makes you... This kind of speaks to how we were as a country, like what our approach to films were, not just as adults, but also as kids. Like, there had to be more. There had to be more here for us to enjoy and watch as a multi-generational uh, populace at the time, I think, we asked more of our movies to, to a certain degree. And so people could watch these films and get what was happening. And there was enough going on for, both, for all the generations
0: to understand and appreciate. And, and this film, at least, I think asked more of our kids. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, there's nothing being spoon-fed to a kid here. Absolutely not. Um, So, let's get in a little history about it. It's directed by Carol Ballard, who's not a director that, you know, name much of. He went to film school with Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, wow. And where Francis Ford Coppola gets out of film school and very quickly makes a very strong impression, Mm -hmm. both as a director and as a writer, and becomes, you know, the biggest thing in Hollywood in the early 70s, Carol Ballard, not so much. And he really struggles. He... um, He directs short films. He directs industrials. He directs educational films. Mm -hmm. And he is, you know, living in an apartment. His car is about to be repossessed. (laughs) He is barely scraping by trying to make films. And out of the blue in like 73, 74, he Mm -hmm. gets a call from his old buddy Coppola saying, hey, do you want to make a movie? And he, it, you know, his car is being possessed yeah. like that day wow. that he gets this call, and he goes, uh, "Yeah," <laughs> and that's when they he, he comes up with like three or four or five ideas. The only one they come down to is this. Based on this book, The Black Stallion, by uh, William Frawley, or mm-hmm. Walter Frawley. Right. And.
1: Uh, <laughs> not
0: Fred Mertz. Not, not Fred Mertz. Mertz. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Walter Frawley. <laughs> and they start. I was wondering why that name popped yes. into my head. Yes. And uh, they start developing the project. And actually, the guy he starts working on the script with is someone we have talked about before in a totally different context, yeah. which is Walter Merch, the oh, great yeah. editor. Mm-hmm also of course a Coppola guy Mm -hmm. and they start developing it slowly over time and they're not jumping to make it until and I just love this origin story which is that so we've already talked about Coppola in the Philippines making Apocalypse Now and that a huge typhoon comes through and wipes out all the sets Coppola's mortgaged his house to make this film they're out of cash and here's what I didn't know is he needs an influx of cash so what does he do? He goes to United Artists and says hey I got another movie for you and that's The Black Stallion Oh wow! And that gives him enough cash to go back and keep making Apocalypse Now, right? And gives enough money for uh, for Carol Ballard to start working on Black wow. Stallion.
1: Oh, interesting! And
0: so if if, they're, if if they don't have all their sets wrecked, we right. don't get this lovely film. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, things happen for a reason, man. Sometimes you never know why. They do happen for a yeah. reason. Yeah. Well, whether that reason is mystical is probably a conversation for you and I to have another day. Sure, 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 sure. No, I don't know if I 100% agree that they always happen for a reason, but sometimes happy accidents bring about amazing uh, pieces of art. Absolutely. No question about it. So this is really Carol Ballard's first feature. Yeah. You know, and he had never he had worked with crews of four or five people, yeah, and now suddenly he's got forty fifty sixty, seventy people. What he had done a lot of his shorts were animal shorts. He did a short with pigs mm. and with ducks, so the one thing he did have was real experience with animals, right. what he didn't have was real experience making a big film, and this film has i don't know what he was like on the set, mm-hmm. but has feels like it has such a sure hand mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the, like this director knows what he's doing, yeah. And it's a challenging film. And it's what's, what's amazing about the
1: film, too, and I know we'll get into it even more as we go chronologically through it. But the thing that's amazing about this film is it, it's a long film. It's almost two hours. Yeah. For a first film, that's pretty amazing that you're allowed that level of a cut, that length of a cut. And also, there's
0: incredible amounts of time with no dialogue. It's almost a silent film.
1: Almost, yes. I mean, because
0: even when you have dialogue, a lot of times it's incidental. Yeah, it's not like the dialogue is crucially important to understand the story. It's right. like oh, they're chatting about something.
1: Exactly, and I think that's what struck me watching it now. Is like this is his first film to take the the balls or the strength to create a film that yeah. you're that's not going to have a lot of um, dialogue in it, and you're still able to create these incredibly majestical scenes between the animal and the kid. I mean, it's just. I mean, they don't get to. They don't get till they don't get saved till fifty minutes into the movie. Yeah, that tells you like the, the shipwreck's within five minutes of the movie, and then the rest of the time they're on this island, almost like a cast, like a mini castaway yeah. type of situation, and then they're brought back to uh their city and uh, or to their town and but even then there's a lot of periods of not talking and yep. weird kind of terrence malick kind of communication you know where it's like almost stream of consciousness in and out like weird type of stuff like well, almost almost dreamlike
0: yeah well and this is something interesting for those aspiring filmmakers yeah. listening to think about is in a lot of film schools in both where i went to film school mm-hmm. and also where i teach the first several films, you're always required to do silent films. Yeah. Now part of that is for the technical reason of, you haven't learned to use sound recording equipment or doing audio mixing and things right, like that that are more right. technical. But the more important reason is there's so much of filmmaking that is silent visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. And this is like a master class yeah. from a first-time filmmaker. Yeah. Is Every shot is compelling and engaging and beautiful and advancing the story right. without falling on dialogue to explain what's going on.
1: Well, and it's interesting also, too, because I don't know the level to which Carol Ballard's uh, confidence in himself was. Right, I don't know the man personally. I didn't read too much about him. But it shows a deft hand, a confident I, hand. Absolutely. Right? And so it's a, he. even those cars being possessed, even though... He's at these financial straits. There's still the artist within him that wants to create the movie as he sees it. Yeah. You know what? I'm sure Coppola had a say in it too. It. It's very much Coppola's film. His name is the first thing that appears. Right. Zoetrope, American Zoetrope appears. So it's very clear that this is a Coppola
0: film that has been that this guy has been hired to direct. Well, and it right. seems as if, hearing Carol Ballard talk about the yeah. film, he f- comes out of Coppola's school. Oh, right. Like a lot of the... We're going to figure out the movie as we go along. A lot of the kind of the poetic nature, the personal nature, the artsy-fartsiness of Coppola uh, definitely is something that... Now, I don't know if that's some teacher that they had because they went to film school together or if it's the era they came out of. uh, But this is a very personal and, as you say, kind of poetic film. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's not a Coppola standard because Coppola's films are very busy. Even in the silences, they're very busy. This film, not so much. No, this it's film very takes its time to get to where it's going, which I enjoy because it's very hard to keep your attention. You know, all of us have sat through films where they don't have a lot of dialogue and you're bored out of your mind. But some films, like this film, really keep your attention because you are caught up with these characters, you're immediately connected to these characters, and you want to follow their story. And I mean, the kid and the
0: horse. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Well, let's get into it. Yes. So, uh, so we start off on this boat, and yes. and and like I think when we were talking about French Connection, also mm. a film of the seventies, this doesn't spoon feed you anything. Right. You don't know where we are. We don't know what this boat is. We right. meet this kid who is a great kid, mm-hmm. like in terms of a child actor. to yes. See the world through his eyes. His name is uh, Kelly Kelly Reno. Yeah. Um, and he is kind of observing things on the boat, mm-hmm. and he hears these sounds and comes to see the first thing he sees is this beautiful black horse yeah. being manhandled by these guys with ropes mm-hmm. in a what seems like a fairly brutal and I think genuinely scary scene. Absolutely. And the power of the horse mm-hmm. comes across in this really big way. Yeah, the you sounds, know? the sounds yeah. of the
1: horse, right? Of, of ripping against the rope, like pushing against the ropes uh and everything about it what what i also want to add in steve here is also at the beginning of the movie what i think was amazing what struck me is that you can hear under the score the sound of the of a galloping horse and i Uh don't know if you caught it but like if anybody would go i listened to it on headphones i watched the movie on my computer on Mm. headphones and i could hear it through my bose headphones like you can hear as the as the film begins and you hear the sound of the waves against the ship and it's in black first and then you see the ship you can hear this Mm -hmm. and it is the horse galloping so it's already putting you in the mind like subconsciously this idea that this majestic creature is going to be the number one thing in this movie you know and so when we see him with such power and such and it's shot from below so you see that the horse is even more powerful than than it would if you were shooting it straight on or above you know and i thought it was brilliant by carol and the cinematographer to shoot from that angle
0: well and throughout the film um exactly what you're saying is totally right because the horse is treated mystically yes is that the power of it mm. it's connected to the music it's connected yeah. to weather it's connected yeah. to sound design mm. is like this is not just an ordinary story and yep. not just an ordinary horse yep so the boy leaves the horse behind and he goes and he walks in on this really cool poker game yes uh and what again you're trying to figure <laughs> out and it is just classic Iconic. This is the Frenchman character, mm-hmm. and this is the Arab character, and this is, and they're put out like jewels and yeah. gold coins and <laughs> things. And He's the American guy with a straw hat. The American guy with the straw hat, the yeah, yeah. The straw hat who we <laughs> yeah. seem to have a connection with. Yes. Um. And then out comes this little tiny horse statue, yeah. and is put. And again, it's that mystical, mythic kind of feeling to the story. Yeah. And we realize, I think that this the American guy is his dad. Yes. And at this moment, I don't think we know how to feel about him. No, right, exactly. Well,
1: a because he seems to be way too old to have a son that young. Mm-hmm. But also, he seems like he's left his son kind of alone while he plays poker.
0: Yeah, there's no mom on the boat. Well, yeah. and our, and our feelings about the gambler, yes, is like maybe this is not maybe this is not such a great guy, right? You know, or maybe he's not right. responsible, or maybe he's and then and, and then later on, first of all, we, we go back to their cabin on the yeah, boat and we yeah. see that he's won. Yes. So he has all the jewels, and it ends up he's a really great guy. Yeah. Uh, The actor is Hoyt Axton, who is a folk
1: singer. I love Hoyt Axton. Yeah. I used to to love. He was one of my favorite guys. Really. Seventies and eighties because of his barrel chest and his voice. Same thing with Joe Don Baker. Those two guys really left impressions with me. And whenever they'd show up in things, I always enjoyed watching them because they had kind of a folksy, down home grounded thing. And having grown up in Southern Virginia or Northern Virginia, kind of Southern Virginia, uh, those, I knew those guys, like right. I grew up around guys like that. So to me, it was kind of like hearkening back to that. And I think what's, what, what's great too, is before they have that scene in the cabin where you really establish their relationship as father and son, we see the kid come up with the sugar cubes and leave those on the window oh, that's for the right. horse, right? And that's always, that's such, that's his way of first time connecting with the horse because I think he sees like he feels something, yeah he feels understand this feeling of being t- this feeling of being stuck in this situation do you know what I'm saying and he's in this play and he sees the pain of the horse like he wants to he wants to free the horse right he wants the horse to, to be happy to not be in a so he feels this connection with the horse in a strange way and then that the I don't know if he's uh, Middle Eastern era, yeah, Arab, or Turkish Arab, or whatever yeah. he grabs the kid and he twists his ear this is what was happening in the 80s for you kids if you're watching it like you could get disciplined by anybody and no one got mad at you. No one got mad at the person disciplining the child. Well, I think previous, so
0: any time in history yeah. previous to now. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> um, and, and, and we're going to see in a lot of ways the things this kid goes through. Yeah, I mean, obviously the things on the island are incredibly difficult, but right. the way life is for this kid is just completely not like the way life is for kids in America today. Exactly, it's and, just really different.
1: And this seems
0: set well in the forties or something like that, yeah, right? Forties, nineteen
1: thirties or forties, and so.
0: Well, and and by the way, the moment yeah. of the 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 guy who disciplines the kid. Yeah. There's a wonderful button on the scene, which is he gets rid of him, and then that guy eats the sugar cubes. Yes, exactly. That's a great little bit. <laughs> That's right.
1: So anyway, we're in the cabin and, and Hoyt Exton pulls out the horse, which is great.
0: Yeah, right? and, and what does he do? He tells the story of Bucephalus, which yeah. is Alexander the Great's horse. He was big and he was strong. And he was pawing the ground. And there was fire in his eyes. And there was smoke coming out of his
1: nose. And it was... And Alexander walked up. And then quick as a cat, he jumped up on his back. And he grabbed hold of that long
0: black mane. And boom, boom, And away they went, just like lightning. And he jumped right over the crowd, all the way over the stand. And went riding out over the hill. Everybody said... Smoke coming out of his nose. That, by the way, is not in the book. They needed to find a way to bring in this sort of mythical idea. Yeah, yeah. They also wanted to connect you with dad. And Hoyt in telling the story. It's just kind of lovely. Yeah. And you really love them and love them as father and son in this mm-hmm. fairly quick moment. Yeah. And he gives the kid the little horse statue. He gives him a pocket knife. Yeah. And both of these things become really important. Yes. Because in the next moment, the kid wakes up and the ship is going down. Yeah. And this scene is really, really scary. Yes, it is. It is
1: so overwhelming and so real. I would say that this scene, just this small microcosm of a scene of a ship sinking, is scarier than anything you see in the three-hour film of Titanic. Like the the impending doom of Titanic. Wow, that's a big statement, but I actually <sighs> totally agree. Yeah, because it seems so desperate. It yeah. seems so. And you, there's, there's not like it's not like DiCaprio and Winslet. These are two. Ki- this is the unknown kid, you know, and the Hoyt Axton who d- hadn't done a lot of stuff at this point as an actor, but they have this connection almost immediately as father and son from that scene and boom, fire everywhere, the sound of the horse screaming, people yelling, not knowing where to go and you're, and you're hearing the water slam into the side of the boat and the boat tips. So all of it just kind of puts you right in that feeling that there is such desperation here. Whereas in Titanic, everything seems cr- clean and bright and you can see everything. In this, there's a lot of black and, and
0: smoke. You know? Well, and uh, you know, this goes to the the, the more technology we have in the way we make movies, and particularly when we mm. have computer technology, mm. the less real it is for the actors in the space. Yeah. Probably. This true. was pretty real yeah. for those actors, and like you it. feel it. In fact, so here's a so they, this was shot in Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and in the studio, they built a half scale ship. And they had huge, huge tanks of water, huge, huge smoke machines. Wow. They had huge uh, wind machines, and the wind machines are basically old jet engines. Yeah, you know, and and they're black. And when they say go, what they decide is they're like, look, everything's going to be so loud that what we're going to do is we're going to put up big lights like traffic lights, red, yeah. red yellow, green. Yeah. And when it's, you know, when it goes yellow, that means we're about to start. Green is action, and red is cut. Right. So they do that, <laughs> and they start pouring these. And this is. You know, thousands of gallons of water, huge amounts of wind. All this stuff starts coming in, and the smoke machines start going. Well, they hadn't tested it with smoke machines. Oh, man. The smoke machines block the lights, and nobody could see it. So he says, cut, and the light switches red, and they keep going wow. and going. And all the actors are just trying to <laughs> keep going. And water's pouring in. And wind is blasting. And the smoke and the ship's on a gimbal. And things are sliding around. <laughs> and he's going, God, 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 God. Right. And they can't get a It, it can finally... The film runs out of the reel, yeah. Um, and finally, the, everyone goes. I think we must have stopped by now, and they finally shut it down. <laughs> you know, but it was really, really scary. Wow. And the, the feeling of Kelly Reno, the kid, yeah. being lost on that deck and mm-hmm. trying to find his dad and not know what's happening—it's really
1: upsetting. Yes, it is because at any moment you think he's going to be trampled, yeah. and you can—and you can't even blame anybody for trampling him because in that moment. It is about survival, yeah, and so you feel so helpless watching that child almost get stepped on. you see Hoyt Axton fighting the what we had seen been introduced to that guy earlier the the Turkish Arab guy Middle Eastern guy because the guy. Had picked the kid up and took, and cut, off his, cut life, off his life jacket, his life jacket, and was putting it on. Was trying to put it on himself. Ah, oh, man! It was. It's such an intense little scene. And then we see the horse jump over yep. the railing into the water,
0: and then eventually the kid falls in the water as well. And the fall is really be, scary. And his yeah. perspective from water level, yes, you know, is so. And, and there's this moment where you're kind of looking at him, and you see the huge side of the, of the propeller. Yes. Going Ooh. by behind him, you're just like, oh, my God. Right. And the aloneness and the, oh, he's he's doomed. like right. what, what could he possibly do in this moment? Right. And what he could do is he finds the horse. Yes. And this is something that we see throughout the film is he saves the horse. The horse saves him. Right. They save each other. Both on physical levels and really on spiritual and emotional levels yeah, yeah. throughout the whole film. Yeah, he's, he, the horse is swimming by. The horse's rope gets caught in,
1: into the propeller, and the kid used the pocket knife, like you mentioned, that he right. had to cut the horse free.
0: And then I think the kid passes out or whatever yeah, on the grabs horse onto the horse, and, right? And then it goes black, and we wake up on shore of our island. Yeah, this island, which is shot on Sardinia, by the way. Oh wow, where do they get this money <laughs> to shoot in all these places? <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, it's not a huge budget film. Really? You know, the, the crews are very, fairly small. Okay. What they did have, and they had Italian crews, which work cheaper okay. for this section. <laughs> they shot about three months on Sardinia. Yeah. Um, and Three months? Three months. My God, Working with animals, man, I is guess. not easy. No doubt. Um, and this whole island is... Beautifully shot. Yeah. It, every single shot. And we should take a moment to talk about the cinematographer, oh, yeah, who's someone we talked about before, which is Caleb Deschanel. Yes. Zoe Deschanel's dad. Yes. Uh, who also was the brilliant cinematographer on The Natural. Yes. And uh, this also is his first film, his first feature. Wow. And man, talk about a good eye. Well, and this is what I wanted to bring up, Steve. What struck with
1: me, because it's, it's, it's kind of a sports movie, but... Only near the end, right? And so, what's yeah, the int- second half. Yeah, the second half. And what's interesting to me about this film is that you can connect this film to the Natural, and you can connect this film to Chariots of Fire. Both mm. have, and they're both early '80s. They're all—all all three of those films are early '80s sports films, right. and they're very evocative of another time. And they show they take their time there's a lot of gaps of silences there is a lot of uh score work being done underneath all the gaps of silences and they get to what they get to in their own time and they don't tell conventional sports stories right which i thought was really great in revisiting uh this film it felt very much like the natural very much like chariots of fire i was like oh i get so some some of these directors were Sensing what was what the kind of sports movie they could make that was different than something you'd seen before. I mean, Rocky had come out what two or three years earlier, so you could make it like that. But this was something; these were something else. Like Backstein is obviously before The Natural and before Chariots of Fire, so it could have influenced what Barry Levinson does in The Natural, obviously. Uh, and there's Joe Don Baker in The Natural as right. opposed to Hoyt Axton. But, but then you see stuff with uh, what with, uh, with, uh, with Hugh Hudson does in Chariots of
0: Fire. There is, I feel like these are very connected
1: in terms of these kinds I, of sports. I, I never
0: would have thought of it until yeah. you brought it up. But uh, you know what I would think maybe that some of the connection is? Yeah. Is that in the traditional sports movie, the drive of the film is the sport. Yes. And in the end, it is about the game. Right. None of the movies, and Rocky, and I'll include in this as well. Yeah. It's not that Rocky and Chariots of Fire and the Natural and this don't have great sports climaxes. Yes. They do, but the journey is the journey of the character. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're yeah. with Rocky Balboa. Yeah, you're with these interesting English people who, with their their philosophies yes. and, who religion. Who are, the re- and religion and yeah, religion yeah. and all these things. Yeah. And, and And that the sports is a part of the story it right. isn't the
1: story right, the natural it's his redemption as a human, yeah being it's not about it's about achieving the dream one last time, one last shot at his dream it's not about well it's it interesting
0: too, all three of those the, the i won't put rocky in it,, yeah. but but the natural chariots of fire and this have a mystical element yes. to them oh very good point, yeah, very good point yeah um so so we're on this island yeah. and. Uh, you know we're kind of at the beginning in the survival story it's like you're with this kid he's barefoot he has a knife and a horse statue how's he gonna live right you know what's he gonna do and I think this was good for my son to watch (laughs) because I think you know we live in the you know 21st century in America a very removed from dirt Mm. world Mm -hmm. removed from what actual survival is removed from you know, what most of human civilization was for thousands of years. Yeah. You know, we live in these, we got these screens in front of us. We have, we can have anything delivered in the next day. We yeah. can watch anything we want. All the Im- information is available to us at yeah. all times. Mm-hmm. And seeing this kid on this island trying to figure out what am I going to eat? Right. That's a whole that's powerful, yeah, you know yeah, it was very
1: powerful to, for me to watch, yeah, and you worry about the ch- like how is the kid, how um, resourceful is this child? where is he going to get food, and then it figures it out eventually, you know he figures it out by trial and error, you know, the seaweed or the, the things of that nature, the catching the fish, you know, like all these things burning the fire, all these things he's doing. I mean, imagine he's doing catching fish
0: to cook and whatever, and then he's also taking time to connect with the horse. Right. Well, the first time we see we get to the horse is he hears him and he finds the horse tied up. Yes. Wow, that's really scary. Yeah. I mean, and again, you get the power of the horse. Mm -hmm. And this is also where I don't think there's any no animals were harmed label on this. (laughs) I don't know how you do that with the horse in a way that is not difficult for the animal yes true um and it is really him trying to untie this struggling panicking horse or or to cut the ropes yeah it is really really scary to even get near that thing yeah i mean and i don't know i don't know if you've ridden horses once um horses are powerful very powerful and scary yeah incredibly scary to be on a beast
1: that powerful especially cuz you and i are men of size so yes. we're going to get on horses that are very big, strong big horse. yeah big yeah. horses and so when i rode mine i it scared the living hell out of me man cuz it is something that is absolutely and you could powerful. feel it you could yes. feel um, and did muscles. you, did you
0: gallop? Did you? Did yeah, you, we galloped a little bit, it, but we galloped and then, and then it was, and then I would be like, okay, okay, we can slow, we can slow down <laughs> because. Did you, and do you know if it was an actual gallop or a trot or a canter? Or... I think it was a trot. Oh, you just trotted. Yes, okay. just trot it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's when you feel the full power. I mm-hmm. mean, when I was a kid and I went to camps, I rode horses a fair amount. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, not, I don't want to give any impression that I'd like, it. I haven't been on a horse in 15 yeah. years, yeah, yeah. but I did ride a fair amount and I remember Getting to the point where it's like, okay, this is a canter, oh, this is a gallop. Yeah. And it was just it, it's an amazing thing yeah. to be around. Yeah. Um yeah. I also got kicked by a horse once. <laughs> no I was thanks, riding man. another horse and I got and the and the horse kicked it, the one I was riding, oh. it hit me in the ankle, hit me on my foot was in the stirrup. That hurt. Yeah, I'm sure it did. And I don't think I got kicked hard. I Ooh. didn't break my ankle. Right. So I probably didn't get kicked hard. Oh my God. Yeah, you don't you don't want to mess with him. No. And doubt. my horse reared up and I was on his back and oh. like the whole thing. Yeah. That was my greatest fear is being flipped over and yeah. Yeah, they're powerful. <laughs> yes, they are. First morning the kid wakes up on the island. Yeah. He's crying. Yeah. It's the only moment, I think, of acceptance of the real mourning for his father yeah. in the film. Yeah. And once once we go past that he's a pretty practical kid yeah you know he's just like now i got to survive like we saw that he had that emotion Mm -hmm. we don't dwell on it kids are resilient man yeah they're not because they can't conceive of this idea of
1: suicide i don't think at eight or nine years old this fear of like this idea that how can they go on right they deal with what's happened and then they move forward right and then sometimes You hear these stories of kids who are told that their parents are not like the dad's not coming home or mom's not coming home. It's like oh, they have a sadness, but then they're back in school like two or three days later and playing with their friends and doing whatever, and then have their moments. But it's not like they just bounce back, and because they haven't fully developed, I think the emotional range to really conceive the loss to that level that we do as we get older, you know, as, as adults the the multiple memories that we have to draw on, you know, and so
0: well, and they, they and I, so it's, it's yeah, I'm it's, oh, sorry, it's acceptable, yeah. Well, and they still live; they live in the present. Yes, they don't live as much in the past, and they don't live as much in the future. Right. So when you say, "Okay, this person's not coming back," they're not anticipating; they can't think through the years and years of life right. and emptiness without that. Right. You know what I mean? Because they're just right. like, "Okay, can I have some candy?" Yeah. You know, like exactly. let's let's watch TV. Yeah. You know that they, they, because they're just right here. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, not to in any way say the loss of a parent isn't a huge thing for a child. Well, of course. But the way that they deal with it is often sort of different from maybe how we would. Yeah, as adults, yeah. Absolutely. So now, now there's this moment, and it's almost like a, a, a I don't want not a romance exactly, mm. of him watching the horse. And you could see his just, this, this is the only companionship for him on the island. Yeah. And wanting to get closer and observing and slowly coming up with this plan, this sort of dance of yeah. how am I going to get... Close to this hugely powerful and dangerous animal. Yeah, boy goes to sleep on the beach. Yes, and he wakes up, and in front of him is a cobra. Cobra. Again, S- so scary, sc- scary as hell. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and when they did it, the guy came out with the cobra, and they start to put it out. And Carol says, "Oh, it's a good thing. It's a cobra. It's really scary. It's a good thing that it's all defanged It doesn't have any venom." And the guy says, "Oh no, he's got fangs and venom." <laughs> what? And- what? And Carol said, I have this 11-year-old kid or whatever. What what are we going to do? He said, oh, well, here's what you do. Here's a little vial of anti-venom. And if he happens to get bit, you just shoot him with this. He'll be fine just four or five days in the hospital. Oh, my gosh. And they go, no. (laughs) I mean, they put this kid through a lot. With this, they're not. So what they did, they did the same thing they did we talked about in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a sheet of glass Ah, between them. Um, uh, So Cobra rises up. The kid's staring at it. And again, it's that kind of poetic... We're going to take time with it. It's really a long time back and forth. Out of nowhere, the horse comes, tramples the cobra. Once again, the kid saves the horse. Right. The horse saves the kid.
1: Because the horse, and then the horse runs away. It runs away. The horse does not stay waiting for the kid to stroke it and get some kind of like, you know, thank you from the kid. The horse does what it does and runs away. Well, I wouldn't stay around that cobra either. Well, he stopped the
0: cobra to death. I know but I'd still get the fuck away from a I guess cobra. You're right.
1: maybe you're right I, I, whenever
0: I, I stop a cobra I, I <laughs> still get some space <laughs>
1: I just like this at the moment because it is like this idea that they're they're he the horse had, probably does not trust many many people Well so, see what his experience was in the right, boat, exactly you know exactly so as much as the kid is done the horse is still questioning it you know and so it is the horse saves him because he wants to he says like well yes I care I care about you to this extent but I'm not going to stick around so it's like you got to earn. So then it, it, that's what makes the courtship so amazing on, on the island because it takes a long time. Because yeah. we're on there, as I said earlier, we're on there almost 45 minutes on that or 40 minutes on that island. Yeah. Before, you know, they finally get rescued. But it takes some time, you know, and the kids wearing the, loin, the Jesus Christ loincloth and everything. And so they do eventually create this kind of connection and move forward through surviving on the island, you know, and then.
0: Um, and there's this moment he gets this little bit of seaweed. Yeah. And he kind of holds it out for the horse, and the horse comes a little closer, and he comes a little closer, and the horse backs up, and mm. then he backs up, and then he comes closer, and the horse backs <laughs> up, and you have this dance between them. Yeah. It's just an amazing scene. Yeah, um, And we should talk, there's something that you have to do in movies that people don't talk about very much, okay. which is animal casting. Okay, Is that you don't just like, oh, get me a black horse. Right, You have to look through horse after horse after horse after horse to find the right horse. mm mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to talk to trainers and are horses that might look beautiful, but can't do everything right. and you need to. So there's, there's a main horse whose name is castle which is, and he had four or five months of training before this film. And for a shot, like the one we're describing where they're doing this little dance back and forth, what's happening is the trainer is standing behind Kelly yeah, just out of frame. And so he's giving signals to the horse back up, come forward, rear up, turn your head. Right, And so, and the horse is looking at the trainer. Um, But it appears from film perspective that he's looking at the boy. Um, And so you have these three people, the kid, the trainer, the horse, and really four people because you have the cameraman trying to capture this. Mm -hmm. Um, And something we have to say about camera operation is that uh, it's it's, it's a real art and it's really a dance because what a camera operator has to do, and I don't think we've talked about this on the show yet, Mm -hmm. is that. So let's say you're shooting an actor, and you know the actor is going to go through an emotional moment, and then they're going to turn their head and they're going to get up. Right. And I, as a camera operator, have to pan a little bit when they turn their head, yeah. and then I have to rise up and pan again when they get up and walk out of frame. Um, so I have to know exactly when they're going to move, and you can't know this because you can't. You know, the actor is going to move when they're going to move. Yeah. And so you're like another actor in the scene, and you have to be emotionally in touch because. If the actor moves and then you move a heartbeat after mm-hmm. and you follow them, it doesn't look right. right. And if you move a heartbeat before and anticipate them, it doesn't look right. You have to move with them. Mm-hmm. And that means the actor has to understand the scene. They have to understand the dialogue. They have to understand the motion. And they have to understand the physical movement of the actor they're working with. Yeah. Now turn that to animals. and it's so much harder is to be able to because if you watch that scene it's so many scenes it's like you don't know where that horse is going to turn or when they're going to move how fast they're going to go what they're going to do exactly yeah and to stay with them is just this constant dance and one of the things that happened is carol ballard insisted that caleb deschanel operate his own camera which doesn't always happen wow it's like i need you on the camera right you got to be there making those decisions in the moment to figure out exactly to who to stay with. Like what if what if the horse runs out of frame and the kid is there? Well, do you go follow the horse or do yeah. you stay with the kid? Yeah. Only you've got to decide that in the moment. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. You know? and that um, was his first film, right? First, first feature. I mean, he Ow, obviously run camera. First before. feature, right, right? So finally, in this dance, he holds out that little piece of seaweed yeah. and the horse takes that bite, and now that connection is formed. Right. So now finally. They can actually, they start to have physical contact. They start to run together. They start to play together. He starts to touch him. There's this wonderful moment where he ends up kind of snuggling with him and hugging him. And it just, you know, you see this kid that just has lost everything. Yes. Ah, It's really powerful. John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephiles new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game.
1: Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released
0: specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread? Soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more
0: protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. So, they're connecting? Hasn't ridden that horse yet. No. And now we go into the water. Yeah. And this scene is just beautiful. Yep. He's getting closer, he's closer, he's closer. And then as the horse is swimming through the water and he is swimming through the water, suddenly he's on the horse. And it's magical. Yeah. It is so magical. The music is so powerful. It's just absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, this is something you can't. This is what I will say. Yeah. I don't think you can get the power of this moment in a faster paced film because you got to earn it. Of course. The you know? courtship is important. The courtship is yep. what matters, you know, because
1: that's both of them learning how to trust the other, you know. And although the kid is driving, is the driving force sure. of the courtship, the horse is making himself available for this courtship, right? And so. When it happens, and this is, honestly, you could connect this to dating. You could connect this to friendship, actual human friendship. You can connect it to anything. It is this whole idea of, I want to connect with this person. I'm going to create the space to connect with this person. I don't know if I'm ready to connect with this person, but there's something here. I know there's something here, and I'm going to make myself available to the extent that I feel comfortable, and then when that moment hits, if everything hits at the right time, you have that moment, like you see in the water, where they organically come together. He organically rides the horse, and it becomes
0: accepted by both sides that it's the right time. You know? Absolutely, yeah. and you've earned it. Yes, and you've I mean, earned it exactly. If, if Harry and Sally kissed at the beginning of the movie, yeah. oh my gosh, you, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't cry, right? Even if the scene was exactly the same. Yeah, it doesn't. It's work. like is that what happened? Is you had to go through a whole journey with them to get to this point, and now he's on the back of that horse and he's riding, and it is just. Glorious, childlike. Uh, it's a it's an amazing sequence. Yeah, I agreed. And, and and it's interesting too because again, I look at it and I'm like, would anyone let you film this now? Yeah, you know. Now, That's Kelly Reno, part of why they cast him, he's a great writer. He yeah. grew up. His dad was a literal cowboy. Grew up in Colorado. Right. Knew how to ride a horse. Did not know how to swim, by the way. Oh, he had to learn how to swim for this <laughs> film. And, but because riding bareback on a galloping stallion without hands. In the water, yeah that is hard. Yes. Um, and there's even a moment where he falls a couple moments where he falls off the horse. Yeah. And we're like, man, I think that's him. I don't think it's a stunt kid. <laughs> you know? And and I just go, and I love it. Yeah. And I wonder if you can make that film today. Probably not. Probably not. Um, and now that we've gotten to that point, it's time to get rescued, time yeah. to get off the island. Out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Some some Italian fishermen show up. Yeah. Fairly shocked to find this kid. Yeah. More shocked to find this horse. Right want to just get the kid away from the horse and what does the horse do jumps in the water exactly because the
1: kid's screaming for the horse
0: yeah so there's the bond the bond has been established yeah right and And finally the fishermen have to go like okay i guess so (laughs) and i love the last shot is that we're under the water looking up and we see the strap come down and the kid ties it on under the horse and the horse rises up through the air from just from seeing it from below yeah and that's our last moment on the island yeah it's really really beautiful agreed yeah and now let's go back home yeah home is weird I'm very strange and i don't know if maybe this is what they did back then
1: right this whole idea of like writing sonnets to the kid who's come home and doing the elementary school like school assembly thing where you sing to the kid and he's there
0: it's it's all feels very uncomfortable and weird yeah which there yeah. was intentional i mean that's yeah that's sure. definitely what they were going for they yeah. wanted it to feel weird in a weird way it's like when you come back in the end of castaway and you've lived yeah. so much time on the island, yeah. and this beautiful—I mean, this island is Sardinia, and the Black Stallion Island is a lot prettier than the Castaway Island. Yes, it is. But 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 still, like you come back to the the quote-unquote real world, mm-hmm. and it's like, what's up with this place? Right. It's very strange. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you do to a kid who's the only survivor of a boat who was lost on an island for months and comes back with a horse. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's going to act weird around that person. Yeah, and I think Terry Gar, to her credit, as an actress and
1: to the story in the script, like that's the best mom you could have in the situation. Patient, yeah. understanding, let, like uh, creating space for the kid to be independent. And do kind of assimilate back into it at his pace. You know, that kind of thing. She's very right. understanding of the situations because that kid takes off four days at a time in certain yeah. at certain situations. Which you think
0: would be the opposite. If yeah, of you course. if you lose your husband and your kid yeah. think he's dead and now he comes back miraculously, yeah. that you'd never let him leave the house. <laughs> yes, and she doesn't do that. And and by the way, um I you know, we talked about Terry Gard and Young Frankenstein. Yeah. I really like Terry Gard. This is such a un Terry Gard performance. It's restrained. Yes it's calm it's it's uh observational yes
1: yeah it's very vulnerable anything is people forget like and you can i can understand it but terry gar had this incredible run in the 80s like late 70s early mm-hmm. 80s well i guess 70s 80s right 70, she, yeah, yeah, yeah 72 to like 85 86 whatever right. you want to say like where she was the go-to for a lot of this right she's in it she's always beautiful very vulnerable, attractive, quirky, quirky, right, and fun. Had an interesting voice, yeah, and always seemed to. There's not an inauthentic moment in any film I've ever seen her in, uh, and she had a great run for like a, almost a decade. And it, and this is another example where she be put into the same thing. Hoyt Exton is in and out of this movie, right? right. And Terry Gar really isn't in the movie a lot, not much. But when she is, she is very interesting to watch, and her you know her mannerisms even when she's not speaking there's stuff to it because well, you see those weight.
0: wheels turning yes. in her head yes and there's like this very lovely natural. lovely moment where she's because she keeps observing she knows that her kid is going yeah. through these things yeah. she knows there's this connection to the horse right he goes and sleeps outside she lets him yeah and she comes out and she talks to the horse and thanks the horse yeah for bringing back her son yeah i'm
1: very happy to She could have saved his father, too. Well, think of three different actresses, right? You could look at Mary Steenburgen. You mm-hmm. could look at Terry Garr. And you could look at Shelley Duvall. Imagine how all three of those would sure. handle the situation completely yeah. differently. That's why Terry Garr is the right choice. Because Terry Garr is sweet uh, mm-hmm. and still firm, but also very... In very much like creating space for it. Yeah. Whereas Shelley Duvall would be more like, I don't know, is it right, is it right? And Mary Steenberg would be like, I think that maybe you should do that. Like there's just their natural essence. And Terry right. has an incredible essence and,
0: and perfect for this movie. So the horse and the boy sleep out in the yard. Next yeah. morning, Garbage Man comes. Show- which, by the way, seems like a stupid plan. <laughs> you have this huge black stallion, although he wasn't actually a terribly big horse. He's a fairly small horse, okay, by the way. Right. But, but sitting in your backyard, like, yeah. not. You know, what do you think is going to happen? Well, garbage Man shows up. Horse panics. Charges through the streets. Yeah. Kid chases after him. Is gone, apparently, like a day. Yeah, at least a day. Trying to find his horse. Right. Wakes up and you know, it goes through the docks and the street and the fields and everything. Wakes up in some strange alley, and out of the fog comes this white horse and carriage. <laughs> and uh, Clarence Muse is an old African American actor mm-hmm. and who has actually been in a ton of films, really. Yeah, oh, and so he good. comes. And uh, I have to give you this is my this might be among my favorite bits of trivia I found Ooh, out. Oh, great in, in the history of the Cinephiles. Okay, the white horse is Niedermeyer's horse that Flounder, (laughs) Bluto, and D-Day bring to Dean Wormer's office where it has a heart attack. Yes. Isn't that awesome?
1: Yeah, yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. It's the
0: same horse from Animal House. (laughs)
1: Um, What I like about the sequence, too, with the black horse running through, with a stallion, black stallion running through the town, it's a great exposition of the town. You're getting all these incredible, you understand the scope of the town. The factory shots, the downtown, like little small downtown area, you know. You get this whole taste of what this town looks like. small town America. Small town Americana, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, to top it all off, which is the cherry on top of the cake, is this mystical... Uh, African American guy with his white horse coming through the fall, his white hair, and his, and white his white outfit, hair, right. and rides his with
0: this carriage and with like, the pipe yeah. and everything, calling and, the the horse Napoleon, which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. And uh, he knows where the horse is. He yeah. sends him off on this journey. And at this point, you're like, "What is this?" Yeah, you know, because I think I'm not saying that the movie has kind of lost its momentum, but. It's so compelling on the island that now you're trying to switch gears and we're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what is this movie now? Yeah. And so the kid goes off following this guy's directions. He goes through this field. He finds this barn. Yeah. Hears the sound of this horse, falls through the barn Mm -hmm. floor, and finds his horse. Yeah. And his horse is tied up. And as he's trying to get the horse out, here comes this old man. Mickey Rooney's great. I love uh, him to pieces. He's so, and he's great in this movie. Yes, I think this movie is movie's really important, and for understand, really important for his career. Oh, I'm because sure. he, you know, he's a child actor, yeah. and has gone through a lot of stuff, and now he's coming in, and, and you know, he did all these horse movies, mm-hmm. so like he's very experienced with horses, and he's really good in this film. Yeah, movie. he's so fantastic, and people need
1: to understand about Mickey Rooney, and this is kind of a side piece. Mickey Rooney was an incredible othario. That man married some incredibly beautiful yeah. women through his career in the in the in the films, and you should go and take a look and, and study this man. And he up until Night at the Museum, he was making movies, right? right? And he is always so fun and interesting to watch. Uh, and uh, when he shows up in the movie here, it's I don't know where, how he's probably in his sixties, maybe early sixties, so something like yeah. that. Yeah, and so he brings a very he brings a calming influence to the movie you know he was from another time and he had all like the world war, he had all this stuff in the turn of the century he had all these things that were probably going on and then by the end he's on this farm without having realized what he could do with his with his abilities like he hadn't reached the top right and this horse comes out of nowhere so once again the horse is a vehicle for redemption right yeah. the kid and also for mickey rooney right? Yeah. and and He brings joy. The hoist brings joy where it goes.
0: And and, and he senses this thing in this kid that needs to go on this further this journey. You know, we have a world... It it's I'm trying to figure out how to express it. We have a world that's constantly saying no to kids in all sorts of ways. Yes. Don't climb on that, don't do that, that's yeah. too dangerous, don't go there, don't do this. <laughs> they have much more restricted lives. Yeah. And in another sense, we're constantly saying yes to them in this other sense. Yes, have this, have this, yeah, have spoiled this. Way, yeah. We spoil them and protect them. Yeah. And this movie is the opposite. Absolutely. They say uh, yes to the kid yeah. when he wants to do these dangerous things. Yeah. Like, oh, you do have to, you you probably don't have to go to school. You have to spend time with this horse. Right. That's what you have to do. They right. say yes to him. Um, yeah, it's really different. But he's not being indulged no. in any way. There's no. no like, oh, have this, have this, have this. Right. And so suddenly this relationship between Mickey Rooney and this boy and this horse begins. Mm-hmm. And Mickey Rooney doesn't... He steps. He's a, he steps back. Yeah, in this way, mm-hmm. he's like okay. You have to do this. And he'll give him some advice, and yeah. they'll talk. But it's almost like between two men. Yeah, in a way, mm-hmm. it's not. He treats this kid as
1: an equal. Well, I mean, it becomes the Rocky story all over again, right? He's yeah. teaching the kid. He's the old trainer
0: teaching the young uh, kid right. how to do it right. Right, and ride this ride is what because well, yeah. once he sees that racing room. Yeah. Now we're, now we're in a sports movie. Yes. It takes until, you know, an hour, an hour, and, tw- the, yeah. hour and 15 minutes yeah. into a two-hour film <laughs> no. that we go like, oh, this is going to be a sports movie now.
1: <laughs> I mean, just out of nowhere. Yeah.
0: And it completely works organically through the movie because
1: it was the right moment for that to happen. Yeah. And um, what I love is, and I know we haven't talked about it, yet, but I love this moment. And this moment really solidified the relationship and the time of this movie. And not just when the time when it's set, but also the time when it was made. He says to the kid... The horse can have the stall, but you got to clean out the stall. Right. You've got to do the work. So it's his way of teaching the kid how to earn what he wants. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You have to do it through hard work. And
0: so the kid willingly does it.
1: If if there's he loves no the question. Horse so much.
0: There's no moment in this film where that kid is not willing to do the work. Yes, exactly. This is a tough. Kid yep. who is passionately believes in like mm-hmm. oh this is what I got to do, yeah. which maybe surviving on an island for several months yeah, will, right. will kind of breed that. But <laughs> I kind of get the sense he might have been that kind of kid anyway. It's, uh, just from the fact that he was willing to like
1: uh, put those sugar cubes up in the window at the yeah. beginning of the film, lets you know this is a kid who is wants to do what he wants to do. And
0: then just like a sports movie, we're going to have some training montages. Yeah. And by the way, most of this is Mickey Rooney improvving wow yeah this is mostly just he did a lot of improv like for instance the scene where he's on the bale of hay yeah he's teaching him how yeah. to post up on the horse and ride the horse right. that's all improv right. and it all happened because they had a rain day and they're like what are we going to shoot today right. and mickey it's his idea he said well let's get a bale of hay and i'm going to talk and all of that is all improv that's amazing and good. it's one of my favorite scenes it there, is though. absolutely it's a really good scene. scene. feel that feel that in your legs Hmm? feel it pulling it on your legs back here
1: huh uh-huh. okay all right look look ahead down the lane down the lane no no no, no. you don't jump straight up and down look at it. just try and try and keep your body as still as
0: possible because he'll be moving see he'll be moving he'll be making that rhythm you just go on with him see um and then now we're kind of going like let's race this horse we yeah. go off and we meet our other trainer he goes and rides and and obviously super fast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things the other trainer says, which I love, is that's too much horse for your kid. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And the, and the kid gets off the horse. His hand is bleeding. Yeah. And again, they don't go. Mm, maybe you shouldn't do this. <laughs> they go. You better strengthen your hand. Yeah. And so he's got to squeeze something. And there's no question he's going to do it. You know. Well, and I love
1: what the other trainer said is you're not gonna you're not gonna train this horse. The horse is too wild. You saw yeah. him going left and right. That's right. It. Which which comes back later when. The kid is having that quiet moment with the African-American Clarence I- Muse, yeah. Clarence Muse, and he says, and the, Clarence Muse says.
0: You think you know that, Alma? Yeah, no, I know him. I don't know. And I get a funny feeling. I feel right now that you better let that horse stay wild, Ellie.
1: It's his soul. And that is so powerful, man. So, anyway, yeah. yeah, so they have yeah. that moment. Superpower. So Mickey powerful. keeps pushing it because he sees the potential. Yeah.
0: So, we've been hearing through newsreel footage and yeah. other stuff that there are these other two horses, the best horses in the world, are yeah. going to have a match race. And we kind of meet this hey, hey, uh, <laughs> newsreel footage guy <laughs> who's whatever stuff. the big. He's a great, great. sort of 30s, 40s yeah. uh, newsreel character. Yeah. And now we know we're going out to do something. The kid sneaks out of his window yeah. in the middle of the night. It's raining. We go out to this track again up comes this car the guy does no one gets out of the car right kid gets on the horse goes off as soon as he goes pouring rain this scene is amazing to yeah. me yeah. And, and we you know it's all sound design mm-hmm. it's rain they have their little stopwatches. Tick 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 it's tick 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 and we cannot see the kid and the horse it yeah. all happens off camera it all happens in our imagination yep. we just hear the gallop yeah well, what's great too steve is the juxtaposition between the quiet
1: moments and yeah. the sound of the rain right because right. when the quiet moments are happening it's when they're looking at the watch right and it's like t- 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 and you see the second thing go boom, 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 and it's right. just like oh my god how fast are the horse really going and what's that and then the kid comes once again this idea of the mystical nature which is right. I, which is actually really great you bring that up i hadn't really thought of it but the mystical nature of the kid coming out of the darkness with the yeah. horse and he has been knocked unconscious he's unconscious from on the riding horse. the horse hey hey he's out cold
0: Man. Yeah. And we Man. don't ever get to know what happened. No. We don't know what happened. They carry him off the thing. And, yeah. and Mickey Rooney now ignores the moment that he was waiting for, which is what's this guy who's in the car going to think. Right. And he sits with the kid. And, the, and again, the way he treats him, he doesn't coddle him. He doesn't oh. hug him. Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay? Mom,
1: did I fall off? No. No, you hung on, you hung on like a champ
0: he did great he did great
1: I cried in that moment man because I sensed that kids overwhelming desire to to have this horse succeed but also the kid is like he's so tender in that moment he's so vulnerable in that moment that you connect to him like you almost want to hold him and coddle him and you're right the fact that Mickey Rooney doesn't gives the scene even
0: more power anyway. well and mickey rooney understands him yeah. on some fundamental yes. level yes and he's not understanding him as look at this cute kid this vulnerable right. he's understanding it's like this is a human yeah you know who yeah. i respect yeah and and because i respect him i'm not going to coddle him yeah which is you know look this i'm not there's a lot of ways to parent kids sure. and there are times where my kid needed a hug and i held him and held him yeah but there are also times where it's like you want them to stand on their own yeah and figuring out how to navigate this yeah. It's hard. And one of the clues in this movie to me is they're a human like you. Yeah. And that's the first, like, you got to treat him like a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as this moment is finishing, the door opens. Yeah. And out of the car into the murk and the mud in the pouring rain comes these pristine white <laughs> <laughs> shoes. I love it. And white slacks. Yeah. And there he is. And we see, because we didn't know before, yeah. it's the guy from the newsreel. All right. And we, he's never seen a horse that fast. Yeah. Now we know. Right. Because up to this point, we haven't really known yeah. how fast that horse and is. And it had been so long
1: since I saw this movie, I didn't know who was supposed to step out of the car. I thought it was one right. of the owners of one of the horses. Sure. Right? And I, Or maybe because there was like two or three cars. So I thought maybe it was the both the owners of the horses and Mickey had called them up to say, hey, I want this horse to be in the match race, blah, 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 you know? And so to see that happen was just such a great, great moment. Because right. you initially, you're like, oh, no, white shoes!" was in the... And he, this guy didn't care. He was so insane about this fast horse right you
0: know so, right yeah. exactly and that's what makes it so yeah. and this is a little filmmaking choice that makes a big difference yeah if he had had brown shoes it wouldn't have be been as nope. cool absolutely you know you absolutely. pick those white shoes in mm-hmm. the mud it's
1: like godfather part two it's great that that guy uh don vacine whatever it's right, right, is, right, is right. all white right because right. it's the anti thing that you think all the person in all black exactly should be the right. villain
0: but it's the guy in all white, yeah. and it makes you stand out in yes. front of everybody else absolutely. okay so we now we got to go tell mom and, um, and I love Terry Garr's reaction to this.
1: Remember last year when they were giving away, um, aluminum ballpoint pins for this?
0: The black is what the mystery horse. The lengths they will go to get people to go to a horse race. And I'm gonna ride him. What? I'll get it. What? What did you say? Wait, 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 wait. Alec. wait. one more second. What did you just say? Say that again. The black is the mystery horse, and I'm going to ride him. Alec, that horse is not the mystery horse. Right. And then knock, knock, knock. Who's at the door right then? Obviously planned. Mickey Rooney. Someone's at the door. I know. Mrs.
1: Ramsey. Oh. Oh. The black is the mystery horse, and
0: you're going to ride him in a race. Right. And any mom in the world would say, no. Yes. You almost died on the boat. You're not riding a big horse, and a, it's crazy, right? And yet, in the end, she doesn't. She does,
1: and yeah. even, but she has her moment. Like she shuts the door, and making oh yeah, right. And the kid is great. I think this moment is great, is great, Steve, too, because we know kids who can trick. To situations right he, he
0: i'm he, familiar with one he,
1: right he does, but he does the kid thing because you've done it i'm sure i and I, mean, I remember me doing it where you think i'll do all the chores right, right and right. then i can ask for what i want because then right. you're buttering them up a little bit you know and it's such a great little moment and then she when she finally conceive of what he's actually saying she opens the door sees Mickey Rudy slams the door Mickey Rudy's face and turns the kid he's like what no you're not doing this you're not and then eventually she opens the door and like yeah she just say yes and that's That's just, you know, she's just the perfect mom for this movie, to allow this
0: movie to exist. Because the way, what this movie is, is that the kid has to do this. Yes. This is, it's not just that it's his destiny. Right. I mean, like, if we look at it in a mythical sense, then yes, it's his destiny. This is Bucephalus. He's Alexander the Great. This is the, this is his quest that he's on. This is a hero's journey. Mm -hmm. True. But also, if you look at it internally, he and his relationship with this horse and his grief over his father and everything that he's yeah. been through, this is what he as a human has to do. Right. And she sees that and Mickey Rooney sees that. And they know that the damage that they might do to him by saying no to him at yeah. this moment would be worse than what could happen to him in, in the race. Yeah. And that is a that's a big choice to make. Absolutely. Um, because that race is dangerous yes it is and we're getting to it now so we go to there's like a we go we get to the the racetrack there's Mm -hmm. some pre-race stuff we get suited up we see these you know other jockeys who i love are kind of older they get weighed in you know they're balancing out the weight and then out comes the kid (laughs) looking really small yeah
1: but smartly they put the helmet on him so you can't really tell which is of course the a leap
0: in logic. I'm sure, sure any of us could tell what a child looks like. That's in a child. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it still works for what they're yep. doing. Yeah, we go out and we're getting ready, and it's and again, it takes its time. It's not yeah. spoon feeding you anything. Right. There's not a lot of dialogue, and you see the black is tense and mm-hmm. scared. And just before they start, they go into the gate. There's an altercation. Yeah. Uh, that's really scary. Yeah. The horse gets kicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, go into the gate and we look down and there's blood yeah. on the on the black's trickling leg. Trickling down the horse. Yeah. yeah, trickling on the horse's leg. Uh, the race starts. We don't have a good start for the black. Not at all. The kid is struggling. He's almost falls off the horse. Yeah. The horse is kind of wild and limping and it's like, oh, we're going to lose. Right. And this race is great. Yeah. It is a really, really, and we talked about sports movies. Yeah. This one, you are in it. hmm and it's something we haven't ta- we talked we've talked about what we haven't talked about uh, quite enough is the sound design in this movie is amazing yeah and the choice to not have music at the beginning and to, one, one of the things they did was they mic the horse so they get the mic is on a horse running mm-hmm. that's how they get that sound and they even have sort of the heartbeat of the horse and the hooves of the yeah. horse it sounds like nothing else and then slowly the introduction of the music when the horse really starts to run yeah and I, did we say already that this is carmine coppola no he's yeah, the composer okay, yeah the music is amazing yeah beautiful and sometimes it's sort of Japanese, and sometimes it's very Arab, in it's percussion, and sometimes it's big, huge orchestral, yeah. and we're going to get all of that now in this race. What's well, so funny, too, because Carmine Coppola did the music for Apocalypse Now. Like he, That's right. He, and
1: a Godfather, right? He has all these incredible credits to his list. It's not all him on Godfather. It's not Is all him? St- yeah, it's... I
0: okay. uh, uh, forget the guy's name.
1: Okay, but like, he he's done these movies, but they all come through his son. Most of them come yeah. through his son, so it's interesting. He's not able to stand out as like... John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith or Hans Zimmer—these kinds of things. Like nobody, nobody goes Carmine Coppola. You I wonder. I
0: have no idea. Like what his? Did he want to? No, do? But I, mean, I don't in know. The,
1: in the popular, in the pop culture right, right, right. no one is going like Carmine Coppola. You know what I'm saying? But when, but his music is fantastic for every film that he's in. Yeah, and they're so different for each film, which shows his incredible knowledge of music and his talent to compose for movies. Right. You know, so yeah. This, this and
0: this race. The build of it is so great. Mm-hmm. And you even have sort of the the mystical in the end it's mystical how he wins. Yeah. Because in the moment of triumph, we yeah. go back to the island. Yeah. You know, yes. and we see him right yeah. on the beach. We right. see where their relationship begins. We see the arms fly up just as he wins and in a way he almost wins with ease. Yes. And by the way, so I'm sitting there, I'm watching this with my kid and my wife. My kid is stood up. Which is always a good sign Man. in a movie. He stood up, and then as we get right towards the end, my wife got really scared because she—I mean, she she might have said to me, like whispers, "Like they're not going to kill him, are they?" <laughs> because there's almost that sense, you know what I mean, like Because right. it's so beautiful and so uh, almost religious in yeah. this moment. That you're like, and they have the blood, and they, she's like, "Oh my god, has something terrible happened?" Fortunately, spoiler alert, it does not. <laughs> yeah yeah he wins the race we kind of have one last moment of saying don't worry that horse has legs of iron so he's gonna be fine and uh
1: which they probably uh, added in because of your wife because of people like your wife who would watch it and be like wait isn't they gonna kill him but what's also great about that whole sequence is the symbolism of it right and this applies to anything you do in life when i think Mm -hmm. it's true in this movie especially which was so fun to watch again um if you can go back to the happy place, if you can let go of the pressure of the yeah. situation, if you can embrace where you are most at peace and calm and in touch and happy, you can survive any competition or race or whatever it is. If you can keep your head in that place, all the other things around you will not matter. And it's, that's what happens. He finally, when he finally, they have that connection and they, and they remember the Island almost together. They just leave everybody behind, which, of course, is foreshadowed when Mickey Rooney says he has speed that he doesn't even know he has yet. The horse has
0: speed that he has not discovered Well, when yet, Clarence Mew says it. that horse is wild, yeah. there's a wild thing in there that yeah. you don't know. Right. And they and you know what it is? They both have that together. Yes. They're right. Both, they're both wild. Exactly. On, and whatever they shared... Yeah. It, it's funny. I was thinking about this. There's a thing in... Um, the book Understanding Comics which I've mentioned before mm. a fantastic book on uh, mm-hmm. on how comics are drawn and he talks at one point about the difference between very cartoony drawings and very photorealistic drawings. Right. And what he says is that the advantage of cartoony drawing when you look at a photorealistic drawing you go oh that's that character. Right. When you look at a cartoony drawing you put yourself into it. Yeah. So Mickey Mouse and things like that are that's why kids love them is they can go into them. Yeah. I I don't necessarily 100% agree with that statement but what I what I what it makes me think of is in film there are characters who are active and there are characters who are observational. Yeah. This is Kelly Reno's character, Alec, in the film. He's observational. Yeah. We watch him watching things. And because of that, we become him in a way. Yeah. We're seeing the world through him. Yeah. And so the experience that we're having is that we're, we're becoming our connection to the yeah. horse. It's not watching his connection to the horse. Right. It's our connection to the horse, our connection to the wild. And when he triumphs, when his arms go up... So do ours, Yeah, you know, Yeah, in this kind of strange fundamental way.
1: And it's funny because it does evoke, it came out, as I said, before Chariots of Fire. It does evoke that moment in Chariots of Fire. Where Eric Little gets knocked down and he gets back up and you hear, and it goes quiet. Yep. And you hear uh, Ian Holm go, get up, lad, get up. And then he jumps back into the race and he starts running. And then, which is a characteristic of Eric Little, his head goes back as he embraces the wildness of his speed. You know, and so it's so reminiscent
0: of that. Even though this came out before that, before Cheers of Fire*, so well, and it's you know, great. in this film and in *The Natural*, yeah, we have the connection of weather yes. and yes, and you know, because clearly the thunder and the lightning yeah. and the rain and the horse <laughs> so relates, cool. and that's definitely true. Yeah, and it, it, there's this mystical element. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's not. I wonder. I don't know what was talked about, but when Barry Levinson chooses Caleb Deschanel to shoot *The Natural*, yeah, you know, but man, there's something. There's something connecting these films. Absolutely. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the reception of the film. Sure. Just because this film almost didn't come out. Wow. And here's what happened. And it's just so crazy. So uh, Coppola has a screening room up in San Francisco. He invites UA up -hmm. to see the film except all the guys that were coming up thought they were coming to see apocalypse now
1: well. <laughs> so they come into the screening room
0: the movie starts they get 20 minutes in they go Francis what is this where are the helicopters where's the explosion well, right, what's right, going right. on he goes no this is black stallion they hated the film. Right. They because the people that came to see it, all the people that had bought Black Stallion at UA, had been fired. Oh These wow. are all new people. They didn't know anything about Black Stallion. Wow. They didn't know about the movie. They didn't know about the project. They didn't know anything. They just right. said this movie is terrible oh, wow. because they wanted to see Apocalypse right. Now. Said so we're not going to release it. And fortunately, we went to a film festival, had a huge reaction, and it did release. Get released. It was a it's a fairly inexpensive movie. Yeah. Did was very successful. Multiple Academy Award nominations. I think it won for um, sound design. Okay. Um, and became you know it's just you just think of how close it is that we don't get to see this. And movie And there was at a, all. Sequel, which and there a sequel. And there is a sequel. Yeah, eighty
1: three. I think. Black Stallion which Stein I, returns. May, I
0: probably saw it. I no I'm memory. sure I saw it, and I don't remember it I don't at remember all. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Carol Ballard, I think Carol Ballard made that, and he oh. made a few other films. He did "Never Cry Wolf." He did "Never Cry which Wolf." I love that's that that's a movie. really good movie. Yes, it is. Charles Martin Smith was never better than he was in that movie. And I, I don't know if he did much else. No, not
1: much else. Yeah. And he, I think ninety seven was his last credit. Wow. Yeah. So, what are your final thoughts on Boston? Oh, I, I here's my final thoughts, Steve. Thanks so much for suggesting this movie because it was so great. To go back and rediscover this movie with new eyes, with older eyes, with a different appreciation of this film. And be able to appreciate it and remember loving it as a child and then enjoying it as an adult for its uh, construction, its design, its uh, look and its direction. And it's even its acting, which really, no one really like 100% stands out as an actor in this movie. They do great work. They all do great work. But no one is like... Give an Oscar to any of these people other than maybe Mickey Rooney who probably was nominated if I don't remember if he was or not but like there's so much about this film that was so fun to discover again and to enjoy a film that does not need dialogue that is powerful and the usage of this media in such a great way the film medium in such a great way it is this is what film can do irrelevant of words you know, this is the kind of power and majesty that a film can do. And I think it's brilliant that it starts out as castaway and ends up being like chariots of fire, ends up yeah. being something else. And it's because the film is constructed so well. It's a fantastic poet. Poem, rather. It's to me, it's poetry. And this film is incredible poetry. Elegaic is the word that keep coming to my, kept coming to mind as I was watching it. And I enjoyed the film so much. Revisiting it again, and I would recommend it to anybody who's listening to us now. Uh, if some because we've some of the fans have not have like listened to us talk about a film and then they'll go watch it. As Steve said, I would absolutely recommend you watching it with your child, uh, no matter what age he is, he or she is, and
0: and showing them the joy of this movie and discovering it. Um, yeah, so for me, I mean, certainly just on the filmmaking aspect, if you're a filmmaker, mm. this is worth watching in terms of the storytelling, the cinematography, the sound design, the yeah. music. It's all really, really well done. And the challenge of doing that, as you say, without a lot of dialogue, yeah. it's really, really impressive. Um, the thing that keeps going through my head, I know it's come up on the show before, is I keep thinking about kids and I think about parenting. Yeah. If you think about all the, the material that we have for kids these days, it caters to them. And it has a belief about what kids want and then tries to give them that. Yeah. And, and what I kept thinking about is that we, we think that we are giving kids what they want. Yeah. But often, I think what we're actually doing is we're training them what to expect. And then using what we see as their expectation to confirm what we already thought. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like we say, oh, kids have to have things that are fast-paced because if we because we give them things that are fast paced right. things have to kids have to have things that are silly and have lots of jokes because we give them things that are silly and lots of jokes <laughs> right it's a good point but i'm telling you my kid was 100% in this movie yeah. it is slow paced and, and and there are things i think we're not giving our kids enough credit yeah. you know and this is a movie about a kid who's given tremendous credit you know, that the, the the kid can handle it. Yeah. yeah they, they they continually say, when he says, no, I have to be with this horse, they go, yes, you do. Because they treat him as a human in a way that by catering to our kids all the time and giving them special kid stuff all the time and not giving them responsibilities all the time and not making them work hard all the time, and we're not giving them the respect of what they actually can be. Yeah. You know, and we talk about, oh, we don't want to risk our kids getting hurt by this or that or this. And in a weird way, I'm always concerned, like, what if by not... They need to be hurt yeah. in order to grow, yeah, and what if we 're hurting them more in the long term by protecting them in yeah. the short term and yeah. catering to them in the short term and I thought about that throughout watching this film um, so it 's a great point, man so that 's what we think of. Uh, <laughs> that's what we think of Black Stallion <laughs> and maybe a little bit of what I think about parenting Absolutely, uh, we'd love to hear what you think of both Black Stallion and parenting if you Me. want sure uh, if you want to talk to us about those things you can reach us on our Facebook page at the cinephiles c-i-n-e-f-i-l-e-s, C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, where we would love you to leave us a review. The reviews have been fantastic. Yeah, thank you. We, we re- not only do we read all of them, but, but we take them and take suggestions from them. Yeah. They really help us a lot. You can visit our YouTube channel, and, uh, and we see your comments there, and we respond to them mm-hmm. there. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher. And guess what? Stitcher now sees our dash. Yay! Yeah, so now just search for the Cinephiles with a dash and you can find us. Awesome. Subscribe to us there. We're moving up in the world. Steve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're finally somebody. <laughs> um, uh, you can always reach me at SR Morris on Twitter. John, where can they reach you?
1: Uh, you guys can always reach me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. And we've got some announcements coming out soon, you know. Yeah. We, are, we, we mentioned this before on one of the shows, like uh, the Patreon page is coming along that's going to happen soon. And I think this is a great episode to mention how we're going to look at connect our podcast to audible uh, and see what we can uh, get people to like either uh, get these books, read these books, or listen to these books, uh, or buy the movies, or whatever. Like we're, we're trying to figure this
0: out right now. I would think, right? Yeah. But, so we're we're, gonna, we're we're forming a partnership with Audible. Yes. There will be a link where you can cl- click on it uh, with the Cinephiles, right. and you can subscribe through them. Yeah. And maybe if it's set up in time, I will cut back in. Yes. To this, and I will add exactly what that link is. We don't have it today. And here I am cutting in to let you know that you can go to audibletrial.com/slash the Cinephiles. No dash audibletrial.com slash thecinephiles without the dash. You'll get one free book, a 30-day trial membership in Audible, and a selection of over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. Now back to the show.
1: And and also, I think we, we, we're we going to explore the Amazon situation, too, during a, if we're going to build a webpage so that you guys who have told us that you have bought movies... Because of, of listening to us or us, our recommendations, you'll be able to buy them through us, and we'll get like five cents or something like
0: that. And we so need that five cents. We really... right? <laughs> it's like a piece of gum or something. Like a piece of gum. Can you even get a piece of gum for five, five cents?
1: cents? Not anymore. <laughs> Maybe oh, one right.
0: of those towns in black. All right, you guys are going to have to buy a lot of movies. <laughs> uh, the, the Amazon stuff might take a little bit longer because building web pages takes us a little. That's bit That's true. That's true. And yeah. I
1: think by the time this comes out, um, Outlaw Nation. We'll have started over at No on their podcast channel, and hopefully you've listened to at least one or two episodes by the time this
0: comes out. Uh, so thanks so much for that patronage as well. All right, and uh, that's it for this week. We will see you next time on The Cinephiles.